First thing on your listing, guys, the reason you've been called by God to do something is because you don't do it naturally. You were called to salvation. You didn't save yourself. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, and God had to make you alive. God called you to sanctification. Now, let me just tell you real quickly about sanctification. There's three types of sanctification. There is positional sanctification where God declares you righteous when you ask Jesus to forgive your sins and lead your life. You are declared righteous. You're put into the family of God. But you're not mature as a believer. The Bible calls you a a babe in Christ. And so you've got to do something. There's something called um, practical or evidential sanctification where you begin to apply the Bible to your life and you begin to grow up. Paul admonished some people. He said, you guys should be eating meat, but you're, you're still on spiritual milk. We can't teach you the deeper things of Christ because you're still babes in Christ. Grow up. And then there's something called progressive um, sanctification where you look more and more like Jesus. If you are 50 years old, you've been a Christian for 25 years, and you're still one year old as a Christ follower, that's on you. You don't need more Bible study. You don't need deeper worship at church. You need to grow up. I told you we're going to have fun today. You were called to serve because you're not serving naturally. You were called to care because you don't do it naturally. That's what we talked about last week. Nowhere is this calling you out of what you naturally do into something supernatural. No more is it more, nowhere is it more important than our topic for today, and it's generosity. Now, let me... Let me Read to you something that Peter said to Christians. This is from 1 Peter 2, 19 through 21. For God is pleased when, conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Now, sometimes people ask, why would you give to the church? Number one, I'm commanded to give to the church. Some people say, I don't understand that. Well, it's one evidence that I'm sanctified, is I take care of the bride by giving to the church. He says, even when you endure unjust, now look, this is, this is very profound. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you're beaten for doing wrong. Well, if you're an idiot and you take a gun into the airport, you're going to jail. That's what happens. But if you, now check this out, but if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, look at this, God is pleased with you. And here's this word again, for God called you to do what? Do you, do you see an expiration date on, on how, how long you're supposed to do good? I think if you have breath in your, in your lungs, you're called to do good. Even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his footsteps. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you, when your baby was born, the first thing you said was, what a generous baby? Is that what you said? When your kids were toddlers and going to first and second grade, did you say, my kid is the most generous? You put that bumper sticker on, my kid's the most generous kid. How about your teenagers? They're just naturally generous. When when your kids are growing up and, and they learn words, one of the first words they learn is no. And then the second word they learn is described. Now, I know you see this. Waylon saw this picture this morning and knew exactly. You know, they say you can't hear a picture. He heard this picture. Y'all know what this is from? It's from Finding Nemo. And what do they say? Mine, 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 mine. It's one of my favorite parts. And he looked up and he said, they say mine, mine, mine. I said, you're exactly right, Wei Wei. 
so when I was thinking about this, this whole message, this whole series, and I was thinking about this one, I came across toddler's property law. And here's how it goes. If I like it, it's mine. If it's in my hand, it's mine. If I want it, it's mine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. If I had it a little while ago, it's still mine. If it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. If I'm doing or building something, all the pieces are mine. If it looks like mine, it looks just like mine, it's mine. If I saw it first, if it's mine. If you are playing with something and put it down, it automatically becomes mine. If I put it down, still mine. If it's broken, it's yours. Now, that's kind of funny when it's your toddler, not my toddler, right? Isn't it sad when an adult has that type of attitude? Isn't it pitiful when a Christ follower has that attitude? The reason God calls us to generosity is it is not something we do naturally. We call our kids to the supper table because they're somewhere else and we want them to come do what we want them to do. We call them in from outside. Your heavenly father is calling you today to a place that you don't go naturally. And that's to the place of generosity. Now, Paul was writing a, a, the letter to the Corinthians, the second letter to the Corinthians. And here's what he says in verse, chapter 8, verse 7. But since you excel in everything, now listen to this. You, you excel in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnest and all love we have kindled in you. See to it that you excel in the grace of what? Man, you do so many things well. There's something you need to do better, and that's giving. And so Paul calls, him, calls them to do this. Now, here's the thing. When we respond to God's grace in our lives with a willingness to give to others, check this out, God's grace to us and through us is magnified. And I don't know if you know this, every story in the Bible has two purposes, every story, to magnify God and to expand his kingdom. And when his children are generous with what, gives, what God gives us, it magnifies our God and it expands his kingdom. The Corinthians had an opportunity to make God look good. And guess what? So do you. God's calling you today to magnify him and to expand his kingdom through generosity. Now, let me ask a question. Do you think that all Christians are called to be generous? Yes or no? Let's try it again. Do you think that all Christians are called to be generous? Yes, thank you. Or, this is another yes or no question, for which I would like a yes or no answer. Are all Christians generous? That's a problem. We're going to go back and we're going to read through the story of the Good Samaritan again, but we're going to look at it in a different way. We're going to look at three attitudes towards that Jesus exposes towards generosity that are existent in the story, and I just have... I have some news for you. These attitudes are existing in this church, in this worship center, those of you who are watching. Let's read it. There once was, and by the way, this is the message translation. I just liked how it said it. Um, there once was a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, I just love that word because you know that it wasn't luckily. Luckily, a priest, luckily, Pastor Doug was coming by. He was on his way down the same road. But when he saw him, he shielded his eyes, and he, he angled across the other side of the road. Then the backup pastor came. And he shielded his eyes. 
than a Samaritan. And, and it really should say a despised Samaritan because the Jews hated Samaritans. A Samaritan traveling the same road, when he saw, he didn't shield his eyes. He saw the man's condition. His heart went out. This is the splagnizomai that we talked about last week. His, so the, 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 the root word of this actually means your bowels. It means to feel something so deep in your gut that you have to do something about it. He saw him. He went, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins, or two days' wages, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I will pay you on my way back. Now, you remember, this came about because the religious leader came to test Jesus. The expert in the Jewish law came to test Jesus, and Jesus turned it around. He looks at the religious expert. He tells this story. looks at the religious expert, and in, in later verses, he says this. What do you think? He's talking to the expert. Which of the three became a neighbor? Because the guy's like, well, define neighbor for me. I don't know what a neighbor looks like. Jesus tells him the story, and he says, okay, which of these three became a neighbor to the man attacked by the robbers? Now, look what the religious leader says. The expert says, the one who treated him kindly. He could not even say the name Samaritan. They hated him so badly, he wouldn't even say the name. Well, it was the one. Oh, which one? The hated Samaritan? The one who treated him kindly. The religion scholar responded, and Jesus said, check this out. Jesus said, go and do likewise. And this is a, this is a present participle. It's not go once and be nice. It's as you are walking through life, you do what the Samaritan did on a regular basis. Now, there's no logical reason why the Samaritan should interrupt his day, rearrange his schedule, and spend his money to help an enemy in need. But mercy or generosity doesn't need a reason. Do you know who needs a reason for, for spending money on people who are, who are in need? Stingy people need a reason. Not people filled with mercy. Our devotion to God must be seen. Somebody needs to write that down today. I should have put that on the listening guide. The religious leader tried to test Jesus. Jesus turns it around. And Jesus is testing every one of us today. Jesus calls that guy to generosity. He says, you're not doing this now, but I'm calling you to do something that does not come naturally. And he's calling you to do something that doesn't come naturally. Because... Matthew 5 says that, that let your light shine in such a way that, you, that people see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Our devotion to God needs to be seen. It's not, we don't do it to be seen. We do it because we can't help it. One of the ways your devotion is seen is through generosity. And you need to understand, this is what I believe the Bible is teaching, that your, generosity, your neighbor is the person whose need you see, you feel, and you're able to meet. Can you meet everybody's needs in the world? No, you're not designed to. Can you meet at least one person's needs in the world? You're called to. And when we get that, we'll make a difference as a church. So let's look at the three attitudes that are expressed in three different groups of people in this story. The first attitude is by the robbers. And here's what the robbers say. What's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. They didn't ask. They took it. And there's a, there's a special word that goes with this. It's the word greed. Greed says, I'm not satisfied with what I have. I want more. In fact, I want what you have. It's the opposite of contentment. 
It's an attitude that says, look, I'll do whatever it takes to get what you have. I'm not content with what I have. The robbers came and literally said, we want what this Jewish guy has. Let's beat him up and take what he has. Now, I want to know how many of you would classify yourself as robbers. I mean, just just off the top of your head, if I would say, how many people in this room are robbers? I want you to raise your hand. Who Who would classify yourself as a robber? Okay, I saw a couple of little, it's like you're at an auction. Well, hold on before you answer that question. Malachi 3.8 says this. This is God speaking, by the way. Will a mere mortal rob God? Okay, how many in here are immortal? So we're all mortals, right? We're going to die. God says, will human beings rob me? And people say, we're not robbing you. How are we robbing you? And God says, In tithes and offerings. Oh, no. It's one of those messages. Some of you are wishing you hadn't come today. God says, you're not even doing the basics. And so he says, that means you're stealing from me. And I'm just going to tell you right now, you don't want God to call you a robber. And so I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands again because I think think that more of us would have to raise our hands if the definition of being a robber is keeping for myself what I should be giving to God. Instead of when you keep for yourself, instead of your devotion to God being seen, you put your greed on display for all to see. Then you want the church to be greedy. Not yet, dude. (laughs) Then you want the church to be greedy too. How much time, here's here's the question I want to ask you, how much time Do you spend praying about your financial decisions? Because according to Scripture, every decision a Christian makes is a financial decision. So let's just just talk about percentages. Oh, I prayed one time in in 2022 about what I should do with my finances. All right, let's let's just say that's 1%. So you got 1% opportunity for God to speak to you about your finances. That's not a whole lot of percentage. There's 99% that you might be missing out on the will of God. Let me ask a further question. How many of you pray often about how new life spends, new life's finances? Because I pray almost every day asking God to give me wisdom. And so if if you've never prayed about how new life spends its money, then then I'm willing to bet you have 0% chance of hearing the Father's heart. On his money. Because let me ask you this. Is the money you have yours or God's? Some of you aren't sure. Is the money you have yours or God's? Scripture says everything belongs to him. Even the breath. And and we're not going to look at this story today, but there's a story about a guy who had barns and his crops were so big and he was going to tear down his barns and build bigger barns. And you remember what God called him? He said, you fool. This night... Your soul will be required of you. God's saying, you're going to meet me today. Then who's going to, who's going to keep all your crops? Because let me ask you this. How, what percentage of money are you going to leave behind when you die? 100. All of it. You're not taking it with you. And if you try, somebody will dig your butt up, cast you aside and take the money. So let's do a little bit of diagnosis here today. Are you always content with what you have? 
Do you ever resent what someone else has? See, your attitude towards stuff and specifically towards money reveals what's in your heart. A man came to Jesus one time and he was whining and he says, tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And basically Jesus goes, dude, that's not my problem. That's not why I came. But then Jesus says, now here we go, Nate. Sorry, I jumped ahead of you a while ago. Then Jesus said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Now, do you think that Jesus just kind of popped off when he, when he shared things? Or did he have a purpose? He had a purpose. He's telling us it's natural to struggle with greed. And he's saying, watch out. Greedy people are everywhere. And greedy people try to measure their lives by how much stuff they have. If stuff, if how much stuff you have is, uh, makes you the winner, then hoarders are the happiest people in the world. Because they got stuff everywhere. But here's, here's the attitude. Life equals stuff. More stuff equals a better life. And the most stuff equals the best life. That's the American dream right there. Jesus said we got to guard against this because it's very sneaky. And it's the opposite of being generous. And you know what another word for a greedy person is? You've heard this. Miser. You know what miser is the root word of? Miserable. I decided to look up. On dictionary.com, the very first meaning for miserable is, I love this, wretchedly unhappy. Jesus warns us that if we want to be wretchedly unhappy, then don't guard against greed. Just let it take over. Try to measure your life by the things you have, and you'll wind up wretchedly unhappy. And here's what you need to know about the wretchedly unhappy. They desperately want everybody else to be just as wretchedly unhappy as they are. Misery Miserable people love for other people to be in misery. God's calling us to something radically different than that. Now, if the robber's motto was, what's yours and mine, I'm going to take it, then what would have been the motto of the two religious guys? Now, they've been serving the Lord at the temple, right? They've been at church. And if you were to ask the, the two religious guys, do you love God? They'd say, of course we love God. Don't you know? That's my vocation. I love God. If you were to ask people around who saw the religious guys if they love God, of course they love God. That's their vocation. And on the surface, their attitude doesn't look that bad. On the surface. The religious people say, what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. And you know what? You know what special word is attached to that? selfishness. I've worked hard for what I've got. I'm going to keep it. Now, I'm not going to take what you have. I'm not a robber. I'm just going to keep what I have. My stuff is for me. If I get extra stuff, it's for me. If that's your attitude, then, then i got some bad news for you today. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says this. When you do things, do not let selfishness or pride be your what is that word? This is, this is so much easier to see in other people than it is to see in ourselves. You can look at someone else and you go, <laughs> selfishness and pride, that's their God. But when you look in the mirror, it's not as easy to see, is it? And you need somebody to say, hey, hey, you're being guided by the wrong things. Home cheese. That makes it, that makes it acceptable if you throw home cheese, you know. Kind of like, you know, with all due respect, then you can say whatever you want to. With all due respect. You got the wrong guide. 
Instead, be humble and give more honor to others than yourselves. Don't be interested only in your own life, but be interested in the lives of others. Selfishness and pride are bad guides. Would you agree with that? They're not going to lead you where you really want to go. They're certainly not going to lead you where God wants you to go. The guides that we need, if we're going to be like Jesus, the guides we need are humility and honor. And some of you are saying, come on, Doug, lighten up. My attitude's not that bad. I'm not as bad as the robbers. Well, forgive me. I didn't know you were comparing yourself to robbers. you got a great attitude. <laughs> Until you read verse 5 of Philippians 2, which says, you must have the same attitude as who? Oh, you don't get to compare yourself to the robbers or even the religious dudes? I'm supposed to be like, Jesus? I'm in trouble. Jesus didn't hold on to anything. If you read past verse 5, he gave up heaven. The gl- I don't think we understand. It's called the kenosis. It's the emptying of himself. I don't think we understand how much Jesus emptied himself to put on skin. The God who spoke... The Bible says all things were created through Jesus. All of the angelic beings that weren't cast out of heaven were worshiping Jesus. And he poured himself out and he came to earth. He came into a womb. God came into a womb. My attitude is supposed to be like that. See, Jesus, when he, when he describes the right type of attitude, he uses a Samaritan, a despised Samaritan. And here's the Samaritan's attitude. What's mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. And I just got to tell you, this isn't natural. This is supernatural. And if God is going to call you to do something, is God going to call you to do something in your power, natural power, or in supernatural power? See, the reason he calls you to do something in supernatural power is because you can't do it. And then when God does it through you, people see your good works, and who do they glorify? There must be a God because I know you couldn't do that. The special word that's attached to this is generosity. Now, since God knows that generosity is beyond us, he gives us some promises from his word. You know, I heard somebody say this and I've, I've, I've tried it. There's a promise in scripture for every problem you will ever face. And so God has some promises about this generosity thing. Psalm 112 Five, good will, good will come to those who are what? Generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. God promises if you're generous, good things will come to you. Proverbs eleven twenty five. the generous will do what? Who's making this promise? God is. The generous will prosper. I love this. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. You ever given to something, to something to someone who could not pay you back and you are refreshed? God says, if you do that, I promise, I promise you will be refreshed. The other side of that is the wretchedly unhappy never refresh others. It's part of why they're wretchedly unhappy. Acts 20, 35, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. So Paul is quoting the Lord Jesus here when Jesus says, it is more blessed to do what? Give than to receive. God has called us to be generous. Now, the question is, okay, does anybody doubt that we've been called to be generous? Speak now or forever hold your peace. Or speak after the service and we'll... Speak to me, not to others after the service. And we will show you the way. 
So if God's called us to be generous, then, then, then how do I respond to that call? What should I do? Well, you got three options, the way I see it. First thing is do what I should do, which is the tithe. Tithe actually means 10%. That's all it means, 10%. Now, I want to show you something. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me now in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room to store it. Now, this comes right after God says, you're robbing me. And they said, how are we robbing you? And God says, and tithes and offering. And they're like, what? And he says, bring everything. So he says, the whole tithe. Okay, how much is the tithe? What percentage? 10%. So I had somebody in leadership years ago, and, and we were going to get out of debt. And we said, man, we got we to gotta lead. If we're the leaders of the church, we got to get out of debt. And so we're going to give. So Janie and I prayed about it, and we gave, we gave 10% to the church, and then we gave an extra 10% to the building fund to get out of debt. And then we gave a $2,500 gift on top of that. Because we're like, we got to lead. We got to be out there. So we gave 20% of our income over three years to help us get out of debt. We, we're not going to ask people to do what we can't do. So I went to some leaders and I said, hey, if we're going to be the leaders, if we're going to get out of debt, this was in 2010, if we're going to get out of debt, actually 2009, because we started in 2010, the leaders need to be on board and need to be leading the way. And so one of the guys said to me, he goes, well, I give 6%. I said, Awesome. You can't be in leadership anymore. Now, I don't mean you can't be on the security team. You can't run the computer. You can't. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if you're going to be on the board here at New Life, you better be leading financially. You better be leading in every way or you will be removed. Six percent. That's awesome. But you can't be in leadership. And the reason I said was I said we cannot I said, I cannot stand before God and say, we're going to make financial decisions and we're going to pray to God to give us wisdom when people on our board don't give 10%. You, you answer me. Do you think God would bless a church who people on the board do not give 10%? I don't believe so. And, and it caused some problems. We had some issues. But we said, this is what we're going to do. And, and we've said in our leadership agreement for years, be tithing or be on a, on a path towards tithing, right? So I remember when Janie and I, we, we would give a, an extra percentage every year. And we were dirt poor, right? But we were like, we are not going to keep the 10% from God. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me. This is the only time in Scripture where God says, I double dog, triple dog dare you to test me. If you give, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And I want to challenge you to talk to anybody who's done this. We have several tithers in our church. And, and they, they're not doing it to be recognized, but if you ask them, is it worth it? So one time, way back when we were in the old building downtown, um, Carlene and her mom had started coming to church, and, and I still remember this. So it was around 2005, 2004. I don't remember exactly when Carlene came. And, and, um, and I said in church, I said, all right, I'm going to challenge you guys to tithe. And after six months, if you're not blessed, I think I said, I don't remember if it was, I think I said, I'll double your money back. And, and Carlene's like, sold. I'm not getting double my money back anywhere else. I'll give. So that was about 17 years ago. 
And she, I remember talking to her later when she told me that story. And she said, God has blessed me year after year after year. Because you're not going to outgive God. That's the thing you need to understand. We taught our kids this when they were little. We, we actually had a piggy bank for all of our kids, and it looked like this. So I don't know if you can see it. Um, over there's church, over here's bank, and in the middle is store. So if our kids got a dollar, 10 cents went into savings, 10 cents went to the church, and 80 cents they could spend. And when you're a kid, you're like, I get 80 cents? Awesome! God only wants 10. Have you ever noticed how generous kids can be with your money? If it's all God's, how come we're not very generous? Now, what I hope I taught my kids this, that tithing is not about just 10 cents out of a dollar. It's the first 10 cents out of a dollar. Because when you give that first 10 cents, you're saying to God, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting your math, not my math. You see, it's the, it's the idea of first fruits. Whatever you honor God with first, he blesses the rest. So like if you want your day to be blessed, and, and I, I'm just going to confess this to you. It's been years, but I used to not have my personal devotional on, on Sunday mornings because I was studying for church. And the Lord said to me, really? This was years ago, so, so I haven't missed my personal devotional in, in four years because the Lord, and so I get up, whether, if we're on a cruise, I have my devotional. Janie likes to sleep in, so I get up and I go have a cup of coffee, I have my devotional, I bring her a cup of coffee, we get our day started. Um, if I go on a mission trip, I'm going to get up and, and, and on our mission trips, I've been doing the coffee, right? So I get up and I do coffee because Matt Gatto cannot function without coffee. And so, and, and I mean a lot, not, not like, it's like, it's like one of those big gulps from, from yeah, there it is, <laughs> from 7-Eleven. And, and so the first day I didn't do it and he and George had to go find some nasty coffee and uh, got them through. But I'm going to get up and have my, my devotional on mission trip. If we, when we go to Israel, we're not going next year. We're going to try to go the summer after that, um, take our church. But I'm going to get up every day, and I'm going to have my time with the Lord because God blesses the rest of your day if you give him the first. If, if you want God to honor your year, you give him the first of the year and, and the first of every day. If you want God to honor your income, you give him the first 10%. And here's, here's God's promise. He will bless the 90%, and it will go further than 100% cursed. Because God says, if you, if you don't honor me, your income is cursed. It's not about financing God. It's about honoring him. Every time, every time I give that 10%, I'm saying to God, you matter to me more than money, and I'm trusting you more than money. And my heart is not, I'm going to guard against greed, and that's how I'm going to do it, is I'm going to give to the church. And by the way, that is, um, you're called, when it says, bring all of the tithe into the storehouse, it means wherever you're being fed. So if you're being fed online through New Life, then you're supposed to give to New Life. If, if you're in attendance here, then you're supposed to give here. And, and it's awesome if you give to compassion, but my compassion giving, I have three compassion kids, that's over and above the tithe. I am not going to rob from God so that I can give to the, those kids. I'm going to give to those kids out of the extra because I'm going to say, God, you've blessed me. I want to bless these kids. It's, it's just a, it's a principle. 
So I'm going to do what I should do. We believe here, and we're going to teach this. You're going to hear this in the 101 class, in our membership class. We believe that God finances his kingdom through 10%. You heard it on the video. If every person who claimed to be a Christian tithed, we could end hunger in Africa. Second thing, what am I going to do? Do what I could do, and that's sacrifice. Now, so, so I don't think if you do what you're supposed to do, I don't think that's called generosity. I think that's called obedience. So if you're at the first level, I'm not going to call that generous. I'm going to call that obedient. Second level is sacrifice, and, and I'm going to do what I can do um, above and beyond. This is what we did with... Um, back in December. So I came back from, from um, Mount Olive last year, last July, a year ago, July, and, and I was just praying. I was having my daily quiet time, and I felt like the Lord say, you need to take up a special offering for Mount Olive. And so I started going, okay, Lord, I'll take up a special offering. I went to the board, and I said, hey, should we take up a special offering? They said, let's take up a special offering, because we've got a very generous board. And I said, okay, what about this? Because I wanted, I wanted to take $10,000 to, to Mount Olive. And so I said, what about this? What if we challenge our people and they raise $5,000? Can we match that? Because we had this whole discussion about the building fund at New Life Community Church. Is that New Life's building fund or does that money belong to God? Somebody missed it. Does, does the money that we have in our building fund belong to New Life Community Church or does it belong to God? And so my reasoning was, it's God's building fund. Why couldn't we use it on the building for Mount Olive? Because at that point, they weren't even meeting in their worship center. It was still, all of the ceiling tiles were out, and they didn't even have a door on the side. They had a piece of wood that was hanging up there. And I said, okay, let's, let's raise $5,000. Can we, can we give another $5,000? And, and the board was like, yes, let's match. we'll match up to $5,000. Because I thought, I thought, man, that's going to stretch us. To get $10,000, I was so excited to take $10,000. And so then we, people started giving, and it blew right past $5,000. And then it got up to $10,000, blew right past $10,000. People giving over and above their tithe. We had people give to that that don't even, I've not even seen them in this church before. Somehow they saw online and they gave. And then it blew up to $15,000. I'm going, holy cow. Praise God. And so when the church added the 5000 we took a $20,000 check back in December. And I said to Pastor, I told him this twice. I said, you need to understand, Braylon, Pastor Harris, I thought we could raise $10,000. And I handed him a check, you know, his eyes get big. It was just this awesome thing. And so when, when we gave $20,000, who got the glory for that? God did. So then we come back, and I'm like, we got to fix their roof. And, and most of you don't know this, but someone called me. They didn't even go to this church. Someone called me and said, hey, I got a $10,000 gift I need to give, and how would you use it? And I said, let me pray about it. And so the next day I called back, and I said, my first thought is I would give it to Mount Olive Baptist Church. And they said, sold. Where do I send the money? So when we went this last year, this wasn't even a church member gave ten grand. And then we started raising money. We got up to 20 grand again. And I'm just telling you, there's nothing. Jesus was right. It's better to give than to receive. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think God was ticked off that we gave money to Mount Olive Baptist Church? Was he sitting up there saying, how dare you? 
We have some church members saying it. Wasn't God. Do you think God was sitting on his throne going, that's what I'm talking about? 2 Corinthians 8, 3 and 4, Paul is writing to the church and he says, For I testify, he's talking about another church. They gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. Look at this. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. What was going on was that the church in Jerusalem was under severe oppression. They had nothing. And so Paul is starting all these churches and he said, you need to give to the church in Jerusalem. And so he was just taking up these offerings. And the Corinthians, they weren't excelling in giving. giving. They were excelling in everything else. And he said, I want to tell you about a church that didn't have anything. And they pleaded with us, please let us share in this offering. That's going above and beyond. So we got the level of what I should do, what I could do, which is not even a whole lot of sacrifice. But there's a third level, and this is do what I would do. And this is conditional. And this is where it's okay to say to God, God, if you'll do something supernatural, I'll do more. Now, let me tell you this. So I had a kid in my youth group way back in, in um, Arlington. He was convinced he was going to win the lottery because he had already promised God he would give 50% of it to God. That kid's no longer even in church. You don't start at the supernatural level. If you're not obedient at the what I should do level, God's not going to bless you where you get to that could do level. And he's sure not going to bless you to the would do level because he can't trust you with a little. You know, that's a biblical principle. If you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful with a lot. Now, look at this verse, 2 Corinthians 9, verses 10 and 11. Now, he, it's a capital H, so who are we talking about? Who's the he? God. Now, God, who supplies seed to the sower, not seed to the hoarder, Seed to the sower, the person. By the way, if you have, gr- <laughs> I have some grass seed that's still sitting on a shelf that's been there for a year. Is that grass seed doing what it was created to do? Not on my shelf, because you're an idiot, Doug. You're supposed to put the seed in. Because if I put it in the ground and God causes it to water someday, he's going to cause it to water. He's going to cause it to grow. It produces something, right? If I don't, if I'm a hoarder, God's not, not going to supply me. It says, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of righteousness. Now check this out. This is a promise of God. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will, will result in thanksgiving to who? If you give to God what's already his, you're just acknowledging to him that money doesn't have my heart. You're on guard against greed. God says, I'll make sure you have more than enough to be generous because then he knows that this cycle goes on and on and on and people will give thanksgiving to God for your generosity. It's a promise of God. But I'm going to tell you this. You can't do this on your own. Your heart naturally is selfish. You have to have a new heart. So in the Old Testament, I pray this a lot. I've prayed this for my kids. God, remove their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh and be their God. So some of you today, you need to have a heart of stone. You've got a hard heart towards God, towards your spouse, towards giving, towards people who are needy. You need to have a changed heart. You need God to do heart surgery. Some of you, you you don't have this attitude because you've never met Christ. And so you need to have a relationship with Christ. You can't have peace 
of God until you have peace with God. Some of you are at war with God. You've been fighting it. And the reason you don't feel peace is because you don't know him. So wherever you are today on the generosity thing, to be more generous, you're going to have to have God do surgery. So let's pray together. Let's bow your heads, and I want you to pray this. If you've never accepted Christ, I want you to say in your heart and in your mind, God, I know I'm a sinner, and I need you to save me. Lord, I want you to forgive my sins, and I want you to lead my life wherever you may take me. As best I know how, I give you all of my life, and I accept your life in return. Now, if you struggle with this generosity thing, I want you to pray, God, forgive me for hoarding what you've given to me and turn me into a generous person so that people give thanks to you. Father, it's my prayer that New Life Community Church would be known as generous in your eyes and that you would continually give us more so that we can give more away and that we would just spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.